Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Love Talk Radio. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in once again to Dead End Sports, the place where sports opinions collide. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the AFC and NFC championship games from this past weekend. We're also going to cover the Richard Sherman post-game interview and the fallout afterwards. We're going to talk about some NFL rules and regulations, Definitely going to get in some NBA talk, Carmelo, LeBron, and where they may be next year. Going to get in some college basketball talk as well, and much more. Of course, I'm going to be joined by my esteemed co-host, you know the guys from Dead End Hip Hop, Ken, Beezy, and FIFO. So make sure that you pass the word about the best show on the internet right now, Dead End Sports, the place where sports opinions collide. So without further ado... Let's hit the theme music and get this show cracking. Tuning in once again, it is Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That could only mean one thing. It is time for the most innovative, interactive show here on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in once again to Dead End Sports, the place where sports opinions collide. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. The phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, the phone number 646 478 0356. This is an interactive show. We ask that you not just listen to the show, be a part of the show. Participate in tonight's discussion. A couple of ways you can do that. You can log into the chat room. The chat room is always open and interactive. Just create a profile for yourself and join us tonight in the chat room for the discussion that we're having tonight. Uh, you can also hit us up on Facebook. Uh, we have our own Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com backslash dead end sports. Like the page. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter. Follow us uh, at Dead End Sports. Uh, make sure that you also check out our website, DeadEndSports.com. Uh, remember, this show is being broadcast live each and every Tuesday night. So, in the event you cannot listen to the show live, make sure that you check out the archives at BlogTalkRadio.com/backslash/DeadEndSports. You can also catch us now on Stitcher uh, if you have a Android or iPhone. Uh, just go to your application store, applications menu, download the Stitcher application, search Dead End Sports, and you can listen at your leisure for free. Again, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover. Crazy, crazy week uh, this past week in sports. Uh, of course, I'm joined by my steam coach. You know the fellas from Dead End Hip Hop bringing in uh, Ken, B, and FIFO. Fellas, what's good? What up? What up? What's going on? What's up? What's up? Uh, as I can see, uh, FIFO is late. 
<laughs> yeah, people got some phone. People have been having some phone issues for the past few days. <laughs> so he just—he'll be calling in in just a second. He—he uh, he just texted and asked for the phone. I'm gonna text it to him right now. What's going on, fellas? What's happening, What's guys? <laughs> Man, crazy, crazy weekend. Uh gotta talk sports we gotta talk oh man there's so much to talk about we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we cover it all uh, again the phone number to call in area code 646-478-0356 um man i don't even know where to start uh crazy crazy weekend obviously let's start with the nfl uh we had the playoffs this past weekend afc and nfc championship games uh you had tom brady versus peyton manning well, I think what they said, the 14th time or what have you, um, for writing for the Super Bowl. And uh, Tom Brady came up short. He <laughs> came up a whole lot short. And Peyton Manning defeats them, throws for 400 yards. Um, Ken, I'll start with you, Matt. What stood out to you this past weekend in that, in that particular game in the AFC Championship game? How bad uh, Tom Brady was! I mean, he he missed everybody that was wide open. He was throw, he was out there throwing the ball like Colin Kaepernick, man. It was <laughs> it was unbelievable. You know, he he normally I, I, he doesn't miss throws like that. He has throughout the season, but normally he shows up in big games, and and he was nowhere to be found. Um, and he really didn't get it going until. They changed up their defensive coverage after the Broncos had, you know, a, a pretty sizable lead. And at that point, they kind of, you know, uh, scaled back a little bit and, and left some guys open in the middle of the field. But other than that, they, that Denver defense did a pretty good job of locking him down. And and the thing about it, it's not like they haven't done that before. I mean, they had a 24 nothing lead. So, you know, the first time they, they met up, so they have a history of playing him well this year. Um, this time he just didn't have Gronkowski to make that that patented comeback. Comeback and and I'll be honest, he didn't look like he had any type of passion at all. He just looked listless at times during the game. So um, yeah, he was he was off. That's not something we are accustomed to when we watch Tom Brady play. And um, and and you know he, he got his ass whooped, man. Brady and them boys. <laughs> I mean, uh, Manning and them boys put it on him, man. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. What about you, B? What, what stood out to you this past weekend in the AFC Championship game? Uh, the non-factor of New England's rushing game. I mean, after them having a spectacular rushing game against, um, you know, the Colts, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was expecting. Well, not really expecting, but I was kind of curious of how their rushing game was going to be. And Legarrette Blunt, he just disappeared. I mean, six, five attempts, only six yards. You know, really, well, I'm he just about to ask you, did he even play? Because I vaguely yeah, remember him he, he had, even being in the game. He had five attempts. He had five attempts. Five, five rushing attempts for only six yards. So, and his longest run was like three yards. So, I mean, he was like really like a non-factor. I mean, Stevie Ridley only had 17 yards. Uh, Green had like 34 out of four carries. So, he had caught hot for a second. But mm-hmm. it was it was, it was a rushing game, man. I, you know, after, after looking at a rushing game last week, it was like, oh, my God, like, and they ran it down their throats. Wow. But, you know, and it wasn't like, I mean, yeah, Denver defense was a little bit better, but they was missing some pieces, so it wasn't that much from an improvement from the Colts, I don't think. But, yeah, man, they, 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 that rushing game was like a non-factor. And then the same point that Ken made, you know, you know, it's, it's amazing how the media's not talking about how Tom Brady misses throws and all that stuff. You know, we, you know, they're so focused on 
you know, what Bill Belichick said about uh, Wells Welker and stuff like that, and, you know, making it seem like giving Tom Brady all types of excuses where, you know, come to find out Tom Brady just didn't show up. I mean, for once, let's people let's admit it. You know, Tom Brady just didn't show, didn't show up like Peyton Manning did. I mean, truth be told, I mean, Peyton Manning came to play, threw for over 400 yards. Tom Brady, like I said, missed like, what, two or three open passes that could have been touchdowns if, if he would have them, you know, if he would hit the receiver. So, you know, let's, right. let's, let's, you know, let's, everybody just, like you said, the golden child of, of, of um, the NFL, man, Tom Brady, just, let's admit that, you know, and not saying it was his fault, but like, he made, he made a lot of bad throws. So, you know, you know what? He's 500 in the playoffs, but, but um, you know, since Spygate, but we don't want to bring that up. Uh, they could be called a, uh, a, a, a patriot hater. But um, but you're, you're absolutely right, B. I think one thing that, that a lot of the, the, the pundits are saying is that, you know, well, the game changed when, you know, to live without the game. And, and um, I don't know what they were watching, but I did see a Denver team that was moving the ball Pretty effectively, if you ask me. Right. With, with uh, him, before yeah. he even went out the game, they just only right. managed to get three points in the first quarter, and a lot of that had to do with the plays that were called. They were running the ball short plays, so they were kind of managing the clock a little bit. But they managed the clock with Peyton managing the clock and not just running it, running it. So it, it's not like he had that much of an effect on the game. He's not the exactly. reason why they lost that game. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I mean, you know, following that following Monday, it's just like they just came up with all types of excuse why the New England Patriots lost. And it was like it wasn't no excuse. They just didn't come. They didn't come to play. They didn't play. It's simple as playing. They didn't come to play. That is so true, man. I, I think you both nailed it on the uh, hit the nail on the head. I think it was a couple of things. I think uh, you know Brady didn't play well, and you know, and, and much like you, be I, I was kind of surprised that. And, and I don't know if it's because of his pedigree or because he's gotten, um, you know, he's got the rings or what have you. And 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 they kind of came in, even as the underdog. But uh, you know, people knew that you know Tom Brady pretty much was playing with house money because you know they really are. They they didn't have the weapons that he's normally used to having. Nonetheless, he was still there in the AFC Championship game. Um, but yeah, he didn't play well. And, and, and Ken, I, I think you touched right. on something that. I was thinking the same thing, and I, no, I, I didn't say it out loud, but I'm glad you said it because I was thinking the same thing. He looked kind of like, like Ken said, listless. Like he was just out there, just kind of going through the motions. I don't know if he was already defeated or the fact that they got behind early or what have you, but you just didn't see it. Um, you you saw them, you know, obviously make a run in, in the fourth quarter. Everybody and everybody knew the run was coming. Um, but I think the thing that kind of killed them, or killed their momentum, if you will, was the uh, after they scored the touchdown. I think they were down six. They were down sixteen. They scored a touchdown, so they were going for two, and they ran the ball. And I mean, it was just a simple, you know, Brady from the shotgun handed off to Vereen, and I think he might, he may have gotten back to the line of scrimmage. Um, so uh, you know, I think that was. Uh, I, I thought that was really. He, I think Brady, he just didn't, he just didn't play well, and and, and I'm yeah, very surprised. Well, I'm not really right. surprised. Nobody really called him out on it or said, hey, you know, maybe they would have done better. Because honestly, for them to have won the game, Brady was going to have to play lights out, and he just didn't. Yeah. You know, and yeah. And nobody said anything about the fact that he didn't play lights out for them to win. 
Yep, that's true. That's so true. I mean, it was like you simply play. They just didn't come to play, man. That's all it was. They didn't come to play. I don't see. And um, and, and you know, I, I think another thing that stood out to me too was that uh, you know uh. They really, I mean, Denver just really took it to them. And, and I really think, you know, after the first game, I thought, you know, that they probably would have some type of, uh, you know, some, some type of success against them. But Denver really, you know, Denver, out of, you know, just looking back on the game, the game wasn't close. You know, <laughs> you know, other than at the beginning, the game really wasn't close at all as far as, I mean, even when the, even when the score was close, it didn't really feel like it was close. Like uh, the Patriots never, to me, they, it never seemed like they were actually in the game, um, and like like B said, Legarrette Blunt disappeared. Green, the running game, I thought after we saw them, you know, just mash out Indianapolis the week before in the, in the divisional round, I just thought it was interesting that you know they went totally away from the running game. Brady was already down a couple of receivers, so mm-hmm. you know, I just thought that was interesting that you know Belichick just really, I don't know if he necessarily outcoached himself, but he just he wasn't himself and and. And his team just really, they, they look flat, for lack of a better term. They look flat. And that's not not what you're used to seeing from Bill, Bill Belichick uh, teams. So that kind of stood out to me as well. Uh, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. This is Dead End Sports. I am your host, 12 Kyle. Got my man Ken and B on the line. FIFO's coming through in a little bit. Uh, hit us up, 646-478-0356. Um, you, you know what? I want to uh, go back and say something about the, the running game. I, I think what they do and what Belichick has been known for is to always kind of play each game uh, situationally, and I think that mm-hmm. that's what he did against the um, against uh, in, in this particular game. Look, everybody knew that the whole storyline after the Indianapolis Colts game was running, 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 running. All of a sudden, everybody started comparing them to the Grays and what did the Grays used to have. They had a great running game, and, you know, everybody kept doing all of that. And, you know, they came in, and I think they felt that they could beat them through the air. Or, you know, Kyle, or maybe B, you said this, I think that possibly they just felt like they couldn't run it against this Denver front line and you know at times it, it looked like the case but mm-hmm. you know I, I just think that he just had a different game plan I think that against the Colts it was like look these guys can't they, they can't stop uh, anybody so we're just going to run it up their throat and uh, with the Broncos you know they just tried to get the you know attack the corners because if you think about it Chris Harris is out you got old ass Cham- Chambaley in there you got uh, <laughs> who's the other Quentin Jammer in there so you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, we're just going to do what we do, dink and dunk all our way through. And, um, and you know, the Denver defense just played a hell of a game. And uh, But, yeah, the running game, they just they didn't – it wasn't part of their game plan for whatever reason. Do you think uh, John Fox – I, I know we, we talked about it before. We tweeted about it, too, as well. Uh, do you think John Fox would – do you think he was going to kind of play conservative play close to the vest, especially if he got tight? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, he stayed aggressive the whole game, e- even in spots where I thought he was going to um, run off the clock and try to play the, um, the clock. But he-, he really surprised me, especially in the fourth quarter when the Patriots seemed to kind of start to-, to switch and gain momentum. 
especially after that score, I, he just he kept throwing. And um, he ran it twice, but then on the third down, he called a, a pass play. Uh, Payton made a, made a great play. But, um, I, no, I was really surprised that he didn't dial it down the way he's known to do. He, he kept coming, man. <laughs> yeah, right. He kept coming. He wasn't as aggressive as they were in the, uh, you know, during the regular season. But it was, it was a smart, aggressive plan, basically meaning that he said, Payton is the guy. He got us there. I trust him to make the right throw. And and Peyton did that, so you know not every pass play had to go down the field for fifty yards. Now we'll take five. No doubt, no doubt. I, I, he he definitely surprised me. It, it's gonna gonna be interesting to see how he, he what kind of game he prepares for and calls during the Super Bowl. Uh, the phone number to call in area code six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Again six four six four seven eight. Zero three five six. Uh, FIFO is going to be trying to call in. I know he's having some uh, issues. I'm actually trying to call the number myself to make sure that uh, we're not having an issue with the phone lines. Um, nevertheless, just hit us up six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Now, conversely, on the NFC side, uh, NFC side, what stood out to you? Um, okay, yeah, I'm just getting. I'm 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 talking, but I'm getting a message. Is something wrong with the phone lines? I'm going to try to refresh it. I don't know if that's something on our end. Um, but uh, people keep trying to call in, man. Uh, <laughs> they're having some kind of technical issues with the phone. Um, once again, the phone number to call in, area code 646 uh, So conversely, when we talk about the NFC Championship game, uh, B, what stood out to you in the NFC Championship game? Uh, Kaepernick with three turnovers in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, can't do that. <laughs> this is just the playoffs, man. You know, this is the playoffs, man. Fourth quarter, and then when it, when it's time to put up a shut up, you know, of course, you know, as a quarterback, you're going to get the blame and everything. You're going to get the praise if you win, get the blame if you lose. But as a quarterback, man, as the, you know, the next, supposedly the face of that franchise, you can't turn over the ball three times in the NFC Championship game. You, you just can't. Not, in, not in, in one quarter at that. Like you can't, right. you can't. That's, un, that's unacceptable. I mean, even though San Francisco still had a chance to win the game, don't get me wrong. But you know, Cabernet got to do better. And I, oh, another thing I noticed about it, you know, everybody was being all up in arms when Joe Montana made his little assessment about Cabernet and whatever, whatnot. For one, first of all, Joe Montana is like considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But of two, course. He, you never see Joe Montana in the media, or he's never, like, on NFL's network. You know, he's never, like, out there. You know, so just, Joe Montana's mm-hmm. real low-key. So for him to come out and, and make those assessments about Kaepernick, and then pretty much he kind of – he was he looked like a prophet because everything he said about Kaepernick, Kaepernick didn't do right in the game. So it was just like well, – and, and then after the game, you know, the day, you know, the day after, they like, whoa, well, Joe Montana looked like he was just da-da-da-da-da. Then y'all want to be on his nuts. So it's just like – you know that man is a legend for a reason. You know he got he, right. he 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 he's undefeated in the Super Bowl for a reason. So it's like don't be try to criticize him. And he was right about Kaepernick, man. Kaepernick, he they gotta know how to make those tight throws. And you know them quarterbacks was just all on those receivers, man. Another thing I noticed, Vernon Davis disappeared. Like where was mm-hmm. Vernon Davis? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I did not see Vernon Davis out. He, he was like almost like Leclerc Blunt, man. It was like. Do only happen like one or two catch, or two catches, I think, and that was that was it. Like Vernon Davis was nowhere to be found. 
So that was my yeah, he, he I and Vernon Davis dropped a couple of passes too, and I remember yeah, I remember that yeah. one pass in particular where he came across the middle and he got lit up like a Christmas tree. He, man. Yeah, I don't know if he was having flashbacks of Mike Singletary, you know, calling his ass out or something. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know, man. You know, it was just like Vernon Davis, man, you you disappeared, bro. You disappeared. But yeah, those those my uh, stuff that I noticed in the NFC Championship game. Kaepernick can't turn over the rock. Joe Montana, you a goddamn prophet. And Vernon Davis, Davis, you disappear. What about you, Ken? What stood out to you in in the NFC Championship game? Oh, man, you know what? This is a situation, considering the fact that I I thought the San Francisco 49ers, they were going to make it to the Super Bowl and, and, uh, and play against them, and I thought they had a legit chance as long as Kaepernick didn't throw the ball. And I was right. You know what I'm saying? And Kyle, you even said this as well. I mean, we we've been on I, on Kaepernick about his ability to throw the ball, mm-hmm. and that is the storyline. I have not ran from it since it starting last year. Yeah, that's great. He can run over over the field, cool 58 yard run or whatever. The fact he got chased down, but whatever, great great run. But he went away from it, and that he he cannot. Against a team like Seattle, where you have to put the ball in pinpoint spots, mm-hmm. is not his strength. They don't give you room to throw the ball. You need a guy that can throw the ball down, away, behind the shoulder, you know, high to no, You need a, a great quarterback that can dissect that team. And Ka- Kaepernick is not the guy. And like B said, when it came down to the fourth qu- quarter and it came down to making plays, which he has been known to do in the past, he fell short. And if you look in his eyes, I saw it. His eyes were wide open. He were, he had a glazed look on his face, especially after mm-hmm. that first turnover. He was done. And somehow he managed to kind of get back into it. But, again, I think, um, first of all, he never should have threw that ball on, on, on Richard Sherman. That was just silly. You you, not that, you don't have that good of an arm, bro, to try to throw that ball over against Richard Sherman because it was a bad – the ball had to be away. We, we know where the ball we, – we played before, right. right? We know where the ball needed to go. Everybody know where the ball needed to go. And, and he just made a poor throw, man, just – you got to give yourself chances to win. And just take off and run. Just take off and run. He could have probably ran the ball in and won the game. But, yeah, man, I was right. It's, it's the same thing we argued about last week. With, mm-hmm. I argue with people, and, I, and I, I stay on it. And, unfortunately, he proved me right because I wanted him in the Super Bowl. But he just can't throw. I don't <laughs> trust his arm. I don't trust his arm. And people have turned this guy into a star. He's like the new, at least Mike Vick can throw the damn ball at times. But no, nah, man, I, I, until he learns how to throw, and, and, and oh, Lord, B, I'm so glad you brought it up. When Joe Montana said what he said, I just threw my arms down and just, 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 just like, oh, my God, I've been saying this for since the guy started yep. playing. Yep. And, and thank you, Joe Montana, for, you yep. know, nobody's going to listen to me. I, don't, I You know, you don't have to listen to me. I ain't play the game. I don't have force for both. But you better listen to him. <laughs> yeah, I, man. I, and I, I, before I get started, I might want to apologize. We, I think we're having some kind of phone issues because FIFO is trying to get in. I'm trying to call uh, the the line just to see if it, and it's just ringing. It's just saying calling on my on my phone, and it's been doing that for the last two minutes. So, um, 
FIFO is going to get on it eventually. Uh, we're going to try to find a way to get him on here. I'm going to be working behind the scenes while we're still talking, but we're still going to be broadcasting live. Um, I gotta, uh, man, I got, I gotta talk about. I mean, we same thing we talked about last week, you know. Um, and and I will be, I'll be the first to admit that I actually picked the 49ers to win. Excuse me, the um, the the Seahawks to win uh, of the three of, of of the four of us. Excuse me. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I was, but I was wrong in, in picking uh, New England as well. But um, but yeah, I think uh, I think man, for me, it was. Uh, what stood out to me was, like like Ken said, uh, Kaepernick's inability to, to go down the, down the field with the ball. Um, and that's been my only knock on him since he's been playing, is that he has one read. He looks at that one read, and then that's it. And if he doesn't, if that read is, and now, now, granted, the heat was on, you know, Sunday. I mean, they were, Seattle's offensive, I mean, defensive line was getting up the field, and, you know, you got to get out of there, you know, because it's, it's too hot. But um, I got I to gotta give him credit for, you know, making plays with his legs. But at some point in time, and, and it looked like, it looked to me like middle of the third quarter, definitely into the fourth quarter, Seattle just figured it out. They said, okay, hey, we're not going to let this guy beat us from the pocket. We're going to make this, I mean, we're, we're not going to let him get outside the pocket. We're going to make this guy beat us from the pocket. And when he had to stand in there and make throws, he just couldn't make them. He just couldn't, and you know he turned the ball over. Uh, you know, a couple of times that that one strip fumble that that they had, you know, that's the result of the one guy he was looking for, Crabtree, wasn't open, so he held the ball too long and got the ball knocked out. And if you remember that play, he was rolling to his left. He did the same thing in the first half, but you know he took off running. Um, they they didn't have the you know the running lanes for him in, in the second half, so. I think it was uh, I think it was interesting the way that they schemed it and then they wait the way they made the the, the um, adjustments in the second half um, that stood out to me. Uh, also, San Francisco's inability to run the ball. Uh, you know, both defenses were I mean, we've, those are probably two best defenses in, in, in the NFL uh, going head to head. So you know, running was going to be it was going to be hard to run the ball, but you know, Frank Gore couldn't get anything. But I give you know Seattle credit; they kept feed Marshawn Lynch, kept feeding him, and then he popped one. And that and that's the thing. And it, it's always a backbreaker. Um, you know, Russell Wilson, again, didn't play in particularly well, but uh, he made the plays and made the throws that he had to make. The uh, the, the touchdown pass to Doug Baldwin was, was key. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, and, and we'll talk more about you know this on next week's show when we talk about when we actually preview the Super Bowl. You know, Russell Wilson going forward, I think he's going to have to put up some points because I don't know he can't play that kind of game. And do you expect Russell Wilson to go throw for 400 yards? No, I don't. But against Peyton Manning, the one thing we know that you have to do, if you're unless your defense is forcing turnovers, you're going to have to score points, and he's going to have to manufacture points. But I thought he, you know, he played a <laughs> a very Trent Dilfer-esque type game on Sunday. Um, you know, he managed the game really well, and, and he didn't he didn't have any turnovers. And I think that was key for them to have success. And 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 you know, ultimately, the fact that he did I'm sorry, he did have that one turnover first play of the game. Uh, yeah, outside of that, you know, they didn't. He didn't have any turnovers. He had that one turnover at the beginning. Um, it cost him three points. But you know, Kaepernick, you know, turned it over like B said three times in the fourth quarter. 
you know, you you can't win football games like that. You can't you can't win football games turning the turning the ball over. You definitely can't win if you're uh, you know turning the ball over at that rate in the because that's money time right there. You know, you just yep. you just you, you you're not going to win like that at money time. And um, much like B man, I, I thought Joe Montana's comments were very. Um, I thought they were on point, you know, and he he was right. He's going to have to develop from the pocket. Uh, he has the weapons, um, you know, so it's, it's up got, to him to take weapons. Yeah, he's got plenty of weapons. He's going to have to take it yeah. to the next level. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out um, going forward. I think um, I think we'll have to see how how it how it definitely works out. Right now, we got a caller calling from area code eight four three. Caller, you on the air. What's your name? Where you calling from? Okay, I guess it would help if I pull him up. Caller, 843, you on the air. What's your name? Where you calling from? Hello, Kyle. This is Steve from Dallas. I was on a little earlier. Um, I What's up, Steve? Yeah, I just wanted to touch base with you guys, um, you know, about what you said about Kaepernick and you know, just how the teams are built. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at their receivers, you know, you have Bolden. And Crabtree, which, you know, Crabtree has great hands. You know, Bolden just wants to work out. And that works for their team. But against Seattle, that just doesn't work. And, you know, we all know that Vernon Davis is scared to death of Camp Chancellor and Earl Thomas. And, you know, they don't have anything else after that. You know, um, one of the things I saw Carolina had a chance, you know, because they had Ted Ginn. Like, they don't have that, you know, ball stretch field. They don't have anybody to scare you, you know, who can run that, 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 that fly route. So, you know, yeah, that's, gonna that's true. Pretty much, you know, if you keep everything in front of them, and, and like you guys were talking about Kaepernick, you know, I kind of compare him to Matthew Stafford. Like, you think Stafford's great, but nobody don't catch the ball with Calvin Johnson. Like, you can't get that other guy there to catch the ball because yep. Matthew yep. throws terrible passes. You know, his footwork <laughs> is terrible. All Colin does is throw fastballs. So, you know, unless you got Crabtree with the great hands or Bolden, like I said, who's going to work out or or Vernon, who can put that body on you. If you don't have that, you know, you still need to develop like that. Um, right. I did have one question since we're on the Seattle game. I know you're going to get to the Richard Sherman thing. I want to ask if you know we will. You know we will. <laughs> hey, to your point, to your point I, think, I think their fly guy, their goal route guy, was supposed to be Mario Manningham, but, you know, he got injured. So, you know. Right. Yeah, but, but Manningham don't scare nobody. Like, you know, he kind of scares you. Like, you know, in terms of what it's speed, like, they don't have a speed guy. Kyle Williams, nobody. Like, so, you know, they end up playing, you know, old school, you know, like, I'm going to go with Kyle, the old school version of Wales, three yards in the college of football. <laughs> <laughs> so, what yeah, I want to ask yeah. the fellas about the Sherman thing, and I'm going to get out of here. Are dreads and tattoos the, the new do-rag in terms of, how the NFL has had the problem with people's image and dealing with the durag, and you know, in terms of the athletes that you see now, you put a cam- camera, and a mic in their face, and you expect them not to say something. Where you know, Dion would have said the same thing after he beat up Andre Rising or when Michael Irvin was getting high on the interstate or whatever. Like, you know, why are we surprised <laughs> when these things happen? I think, um, we're, we're, and we're definitely going to get into the Richard Sherman thing real quick, but I, you, when you talk about image, it just brought something to my attention. Um, uh, there was a San Francisco beat writer that caught some flack uh, on, I guess it was Sunday night on Twitter. He said something about Colin Kaepernick, uh, you know, not look. He, 
He said something about with, it, with him with his hat on backwards, it doesn't make him look intelligent. And wearing your hat backwards, I mean, I don't know how that associates with anyone's intelligence. I will say this much. Um, I saw Ka- uh, Colin Kaepernick's post-game press conference, and, I mean, Colin Kaepernick looked like he was about to go to the club. To the strip club or someplace. I mean, he wasn't dressed like I would want my quarterback. Now, now keep in mind, the NFL does not have a dress code. The NBA does, and I'm pretty sure when David Stern initiated the dress code, he didn't want Russell Westbrook and Dwayne Wayne wearing those, uh, you know, those crazy clothes that they wear. But you know, what he asked for was a college shirt, a sport jacket, slacks, so forth and so on. Um, but as far as Kaepernick is concerned, I would like to see him. I mean, you're, you're the quarterback of the franchise. I, do you have to come in a in a, in a tuxedo or, or a, a Tom Ford suit? No, you don't have to. But I'd like to see you look a little bit. He had his Beats headphones around his neck. He had a hat on backwards. He had on like this flannel shirt. I mean, he didn't look he didn't look like the quarterback of the team. I'm sorry, um, and, but that doesn't say anything about his intelligence. Uh, but as far as what you were mentioning, Steve, as far as image, um, I don't think the NFL has an image problem. Obviously, they would want guys to look a certain way. But, I mean, my thing is if you're a guy and you know that you're going to be speaking either before or after the game, you probably should look a little bit more presentable. I'm Like I said, as far as Kaepernick, I don't have a problem with him wearing his hat backwards, anything like that. I just think you probably should look a little bit more presentable. Um, what that does for his image, I don't know. I don't know what the NFL's take on it is. Uh, because they don't have a dress code, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll touch on the Richard Sermon. Uh, uh, we're going to touch on that right now. Uh, but I want to get uh, Ken and B's uh, opinion. Also, my man FIFO. Uh, shout out to FIFO finally on the line. FIFO, what's up, man? What's up, man? What's good, y'all? What up? What Glad up, to have man? you on, bro. Glad to have you on. I don't know what kind of issues we were having Blog Talk Radio, but we got you in. Thank you, thank you, uh, man. Look, I'm mad I missed so much already. <laughs> so, um, so can it be y'all want to y'all want to touch on Kaepernick and how he was dressed? I guess in the post game press conference. Um, I didn't even see it. I didn't even see his press game conference. Uh, I mean, after the Richard Sherman thing just did me. I was just dying last night, so I, I didn't even see anything else after that. But as far as the press game conference look, I mean. Uh, I, I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I really don't care to be honest with you. I, I don't care about they dress after the post game conference. Hey, they, if they get ready to go somewhere, go to strip club after the damn game, I don't <laughs> I don't you know, I don't care. I mean, I'm, I'm not Roger Goodell, so I mean, maybe if I was right. sitting from his from sitting from his standpoint, I don't know. But you know, it's after the game. It's the game is over. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't care about how they dress. <laughs> if you want to wear you a. a if you want to coordinate with polka dot jackets and polka dot pants, go ahead, go knock yourself out. You know, if you want to wear a do rag with a matching shout out to the boy genius, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can wear whatever you want to wear, man. So it don't really matter to me. Cool, cool, cool. The phone number uh, to call in area code six four six six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Let's jump on this Richard Sherman thing, man. Um. It's been the talk since the game ended. Uh, just to give you a, a little background, Richard Sherman, uh, all-pro corner, 
Stanford graduate. Uh, you know, he was he's arguably the best corner in the game. Uh, tipped the pass at the end of the game that was uh, intended for Michael Crabtree. Was picked off by the linebacker. And what uh, subsequently followed after that, Sherman said he went over to congratulate uh, Michael Crabtree to give him dap. Said Crabtree, you know, shoved him in the face, and he did shove him in the face. Um, and uh, Sherman got a little, you know, hotter than the collar about what had happened. Uh, I'm going to play for you the post-game interview with uh, uh, Fox's uh, Aaron Andrews. <laughs> L-O-D. <laughs> so Richard Sherman spazzes in the post-game interview with Aaron Andrews. Um, that was so great. What's your take on it, man? Was was he out of pocket? Was he? Did you have a problem with it? What's your feeling on it? No, nah, I don't. Honestly, I don't think he was out of pocket. I feel perfectly fine, mainly because of when that when that interview happened, like mm-hmm. right after the game, right after he made the game ceiling play. Of course, that man gonna be hyped, and of course, you already know he's a shit talker. So you know him and Crash have been going on all day. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and the gesture at the end of the game, it looked like. Richard Sherman just being an ass because I trust me I'm a shit talker myself. So I, 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 so I really feel like he was being an ass and he patted him on the butt and still got his hand and was like good game. Now whether he was sincere or not, I don't think that that should have been Crabtree's uh, reaction. If he didn't feel like dealing with him, he should have just walked off but mushing him. I think that's what incited that type of response during the Aaron Andrews interview. Because um, you already know he's talking smack. He made the game, the gameplay. He tried to give you that to be like, yo, good game. And you mush them, of course he's going to talk shit. Of course. That's what he does. <laughs> what about you, Ken? What's, what's your take on it? Come on, people, man. He, he, do you really <laughs> think, and this is a, do you really think he was really trying to shake his hand like good game? You know what I'm saying? You, you don't think he was really rubbing it in, like, ha, 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 I got you, boy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he was messing with him, man. He was, he was, you know, it was like, it, it was Richard Sherman being Richard Sherman at, a, at, at the end of the game. He knew the game was over. He was, he was messing with him. I don't think he was being sincere at all. And, and do you really think he was being sincere with that? Who said I didn't say that he was being sincere? I said I don't know how sincere he was being, and, and with the history of Richard Sherman, like I said, he talked shit. So I, I, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't know how sincere he was about it. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're not answering the question, Ken. The question is, is he did he go overboard or anything like that? I don't think so. It was in the heat of the moment. He made the, the biggest play of the game. It is what it is. I'll answer this and and. In, in two ways I think He pushing First of all His antics after the play 
his his reaction, his actions toward Crabtree. Yes, I, I think he kind of went overboard there, and um, and because he went overboard, he enticed the reaction from Crabtree. Crabtree mm. mushed him. That pissed off Sherman. Sherman reacted very immaturely again. And with the choke signal and running, look, you know, they, you already got him. So all of a sudden, now Sherman's even more hyped. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So now he's even more hyped. So now he's going to the sideline, and he is amped. He's like on 20 right now. And I, all I can think about, and it took me a long time to really come to this this, this conclusion, I, and, I, and I kept thinking to myself, what would I do if that was me? And if I feel like I'm the best corner in the game and I just made a play like that, you best believe I probably would have that same type of reaction. I probably would be like, I'm the best. I'm the best. Get my Dion, my Richard Sherman on. I'm out there and I'm talking <laughs> mad crap. You gonna do, do a little dance, Ken? Man, I'm going to the Super Bowl. Hey, there's <laughs> nothing you can tell me right now. Because you know what? It's like you said, Cal. I went to Stanford. I got a 3.9 GPA. I came from Compton. I made right. something out of myself. And I worked my way up to this point, And my hard work has paid off. And not only that, I just made the play of the game. Because you know what? If I miss that ball... Crabtree catches it. Guess where we going? Exactly. We having a whole different conversation. I'm, 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 a, I'm all of a sudden my shit talking is just gone. So mm-hmm. I don't think he went overboard. I think just like you before. I think like like I said, what he did after the play, it, it running up in Crabtree, all that stuff. That that's too much. But after the game, man, he, he look. He's just hyped. You you can't. You can't control yourself when you're playing a competitive sport like that. The right. Football is a gladiator sport. He was in there, man. And I don't know if you guys watched Spartacus, but I did. When you go into the arena, man, it's, it, it's real. You, there's, you go in, yep. and there's only one way to come out. Yep. And that's what that I, game I, was. And he just, he just came out. And he's happy about it. He lives. So That's true. That's a good point. That's a very good point. What about you, B? What was your take on it? I thought it was great. I mean, you know, for one, you know this man's, uh, you know this man's past pedigree. You know the shit he had with Ted Williams. You know him getting in Brady's face before and or whatever. Right, so it's exactly. Not like, it's not like it's not like all this is new. I mean, he's been doing this. You know, and then for one, it's a, like and like Ken said, his adrenaline was pumping. You you just made a game winning saving, you know, a defensive play. You're going to the Super Bowl. You amped up. Your adrenaline is, is pumping. It's going at freaking thousand miles per hour, man. So, you know, you, you, you hype as hell. And it's like, dude, you know how many times people be shit, been shit-talking in the NFL? I mean, yes, he, he's doing it after the, uh, you know, after the game interview. But it's it's the NFL. I mean, what, what you expect? It's, it's, it's going to be shit-talking. It's going to be, you know, bad blood between players. I mean, did he go a little too far and kept going in after, after the press conference? Yeah, maybe so. But, I mean, the shit-talking, I mean, that's... That's been going on in football before all of us were born. So it's, it's like it's nothing new. He's, it's, it's Sherman. That's what he does. Like, like I think you said it, Kyle. There was Deion Sanders did the same thing. I mean, he's a prime right. time, all that stuff. I mean, Muhammad Ali been talking shit since back in the 60s. I mean, come on. It's, it's been going on forever. So I love it. I enjoyed it. When I saw that shit, I was dying laughing. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> this dude is trick. This dude is – I tweeted it right on the spot. Like, yo, this dude is killing me. 
Like, dude, he was killing me. I, I loved it. I loved every second of it. Yeah, I, I agree, B. I, I, I didn't have a problem with it at all. Um, I, the the one thing I could say I had a problem with was, was him giving a choke sign. Because you don't do that. But you you got to right. remember, too, that people... People have to remember that, you know, when it comes to media, there's a reason why players generally, it, you know, you, you're going to get one or two things. Well, I, I take that back. 99.9% of the time when you get a guy interviewed on the field, he sounds, you, you say he sounds the same. You know, oh, well, he's just, you know, he's giving these cliche answers. Yeah, we played hard. We fought a good game. You know, because now she, he, he caught this interview and he was still in the emotion of winning. Um, yeah. Most interviews are conducted in the locker room or, or in the press room after guys have had, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes to decompress and what have you. I remember when I was in college at South Carolina State, we had a there, – there was a – like we would go in our locker room and then coach would talk and then you'd have probably another 10, maybe 15 minutes before the, the media was let in. And, you know, coach would always say, you know, don't say anything crazy, you know, respect your opponents, you know, remember you represent yourself and the team. And what he just he just said, told that to us just to kind of remind us, like, hey, you know, if we won, you win with humility, you lose with humility as well. And, um, you know, that always stuck with me. But if somebody had put a microphone in my face after we beat our biggest rival, I mean, I I might have said something like that. You know, you, you just never know. Like I said, as far as the choke sign, you know, he was wrong for that. And, and, and the reason why I say that Richard Sherman, you know, you, you got to give him a pass on this is because, if you look at the interview he conducted 10 minutes after that, when they were all on a podium, he was calm. He, I don't even mm -hmm. think he even mentioned Crabtree's name. You know, it was just the heat of the moment. I think if you give him a chance to make, I mean, you know, you give him a chance to, to play out that scenario again, I don't think he would have given you the same interview. But I, was he wrong? No, he wasn't wrong at all. He called Crabtree sorry. I like that. I would, I would and we talked about this before in a previous show. I like it when guys, I, you don't necessarily, you have to, re I, and I think, you know, San Francisco, re I think they, they don't like Seattle, and Seattle doesn't like them, but they respect each other. You know, they may not come out, you know, go out and have drinks and stuff, but there's no buddy-buddy stuff, and I like the fact that, you know, you know, this is a, a, a budding rivalry, and it's going to be a rivalry, it looks like it's going to be for a little while. You know, the coaches don't like each other. So, I, I had no, other than a choke sign, man, I had no problem with what Sherman did. Um, you know, and, and, and like B said, man, he talks a lot of trash, but he backs it up. And one thing that the only way that you're going to shut Richard Sherman up is to beat him. That's the only way. You know, if, if you don't, you know, it's just like a guy who does dances when he scores. If you don't want him to dance, keep him out the end zone. You know, other than that, you know, you, you have to kind of pick, pick your poison. Um, but I think it made for good TV. I read earlier that Aaron Andrews, she said she loved it. She loved the raw emotion. She said she didn't feel threatened. But, you know, I mean, there was a, a definite racial element. I mean, we we would be crazy if we didn't, and, and that's what I call a Steve touch on a little earlier. Uh, you know, we'd be crazy if we thought that it wasn't a racial element to it. But, I mean, Richard Sherman is a guy, like you said, B is from Compton. You know, graduated second in his high school class, graduated from Stanford. Uh, very articulate guy, very smart guy, very, you know, very studious. And he's the best corner in the game. There's, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. Think about it. That was only the second pass thrown at him all day. The second. The first one was the, he got flagged for a pass interference, I think, early in the first quarter against Crabtree. Other than that, Kaepernick didn't even look his way. 
so, you know, that goes to show you that, you know, he can back it up. And, you know, the great Joe Namath said it best. You know, it ain't bragging if you can back it up. He can back it up. So, you know, now I, I'm pretty sure Sherman is going to keep a tight lip. You know, he's not going to say anything or give Manning any type of billboard material. But like B said, you know, this is nothing new for him. He went at Tom Brady, talked trash to him after they beat him up in Seattle a few years ago. And um, and I think he was – this was in his – this might have been his rookie or second year. So um, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with it, the, the fallout behind it. Um, you know, you got people calling him a thug and calling him all these names and stuff like that. And, uh, that I don't like because that stuff is – you know, a lot of it's racist and it's borderline. And, mm-hmm. and, and people are saying stuff on – you know, anybody can be a Twitter gangster. You know, anybody can get keyboard courage and say what they want to say. You know, but if you if you were standing across from Richard Sherman, would you say the stuff that you're tweeting about? You know, so and I'm pretty sure he caught a lot of flack for it. But um, no, I, I didn't have a problem at all. Um, the other question I wanted to throw to you guys: um, Do you think it's generational? Because I think younger guys, it, at least just from what I could tell, the younger guys or younger generation, they didn't necessarily have a problem with it. They actually liked it. And then, like, the older generation, you know, may, it may have ruffled their feathers. People, do you think it's more generational? I think it's generational from an aspect of the old people not remembering when they were young. You know, because okay. I'm pretty sure, you know, obviously I'm younger. But, um, you know, I'm pretty sure there was back in the day. Like, I, you can't tell me Jim Brown wasn't talking shit on the field. You know, <laughs> right. You can't, you can't tell me sweetness. I've been in the blistering cold of Chicago wasn't talking shit on the field. Like, people talk... Look, you can't tell me Lawrence Taylor ain't talk shit. You're saying, like, you, you, you talking about the damn Pittsburgh Steelers, damn whole offensive and defensive lines was coked out. You can't tell me them motherfuckers wasn't talking shit. Right. Talking shit is a part of sports. I think what happens is, as we grow up and we get older, we tend not to like it right. as much anymore just because, you know, we're adults and we feel like that's how everybody should conduct themselves. Man, look, Richard Sherman is younger than me, man, and I'm not even that old. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's just something that we have to realize that sports, just like a lot of other things that, uh, you know, in the now, those people are always going to be young. They're always going to be young. Sports is always going to be young. The oldest cat you're going to see in sports is probably not going to be much older than 40 years old. Everybody else is going to be in their mid to early 20s. The best players in any sport, typically, are in the mid to early 20s. Their prime is, is over 25, 25, 26, 27, 28, until you start hitting about 31, 32. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I just think that people just need to get over themselves. People just need to understand that this may not relate directly to your generation, but just remember your generation. Everybody talks shit the greatest do because it's motivation. Right. That is so true, man. That is so true. And I, and I, I felt like it was uh, – <clears throat> I, I didn't think – like, I heard, you know, Chris Carter going on. And I'm like, come on, Chris Carter. I mean, like, I remember Chris. Chris Carter talked more trash than anybody on a football field. And, and granted, I understand, yeah, he's older now. He's getting closer to 50, and he's in the Hall of Fame, and he's on TV. So I get it. He has a vested interest in how the NFL is viewed and how it's played because, 
you know, that's a part of the check that he gets. I get it. But at the same time, I don't act like you weren't 25 years old. Right. Just remember right. when you were 25. You know, we, we all were 25. And, and, and granted, at, one, at, at some point in time, God willing, Richard Sherman and Michael Crabtree will be 45 or 55. And they'll look back on it and say, well, you know, I probably could have handled that a little different. Or they may say, you know what, hey, I was, I was that, I was 25. I didn't care. You know, the world was my, you know, I thought I was invincible. I, I thought I could say what I wanted to say, do what I wanted to do. And there won't be, you know, uh, uh, there won't be a legion of fans behind them when they're 45 and 50 years old. Um, but that, that's a great point, people. I, I, I think, you know, especially former athletes, they... And, and this is how you know that it had to be trashed. Because back in the day, those guys didn't like each other. <laughs> no, I mean, didn't. like, there was, there was no hanging out and going out to parties and doing charity events together. They didn't like each other. Nope. They didn't like each other at all. Phone well, over to call in area code. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to, to kind of jump back in here real quick. Um, remember... The Denver New England game. Mm-hmm. Remember the throw Tom Brady uh, threw to Gronkowski, and re- remember how Brady was after that throw, and how he yeah. and Gronkowski how he was going crazy when they came back on Denver. Right, how he was screaming and going nuts. <laughs> Imagine that. catching him thirty seconds after that. Right, you know what I'm saying? Right. Asking him if, if that was a game winner. They go to the Super Bowl, might I add. Imagine if you call him after that psych, right. white boy psycho that's good, mode. That's a good point, Ken. That's a great point. That is great a great point. point. Yeah, he, he and look, I, we don't know this to be fact, but based on just his adrenaline at that moment, right. he probably would have reacted the same way, especially coming back from 24, because you got to keep in mind, um, um, San Francisco, they were up 10 nothing. The bulk of their right. points was scored. They locked San Francisco down in the fourth quarter. They came back to win that game in grand fashion. Fourth and seven, three turnovers. Them boys put in work in the fourth quarter. They're hype. So imagine if it's a 24 nothing lead. You go into halftime. You come all the way back. You throw that touchdown as the game winner. You're going to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, Tom Brady will let everybody have it. I'm the best. I'm better than Peyton Manning. I'm the best quarterback. You don't know what he would do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, because but he hasn't won a record against him, whatever. But people, I think the point you, you had about Sherman being 25 years old is, is exactly why I didn't have a problem with this post-game um, no, interview. Because mm-hmm. I think L-O-D. when I... L-O-D. L-O-D. Because I was like... I, I know a lot of uh, knuckleheaded 25-year-olds. I remember when right. when Epo was 25. Not only do I, let alone me, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So and, and so you 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 kind of put it in context. You and you're playing football. You kind of understand how and why those things happen. Considering, like you know, we said before, just his history, his his past, and just him being in that moment. Period. Before right. the na- the nation. Um, there is a problem that I, I do kind of have, though, and, and, and B, you brought it up, is he kept going on, going after Crabtree um, after the game. After, you know, in the post-game interviews, he was called. The press conference. He, the press conference. Yeah. Even the press conference. He was, yeah, the press conference, he kept going at him. 
Right. So obviously there's a little per- something personal going on because, you know, now all of a sudden you're not really in the moment anymore. Now this is, you know, I'm attacking you directly. You know what I'm saying? So um, so that, you know, I, I kind of had an issue with that a little bit because now you're, you're going a little bit too far. And now it's all about you and this 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 competition you have, this this competition nobody even knows exists that you have with Crabtree, and it's all about Sherman versus Crabtree. The other thing is, and while I get it, there is a certain perception that exists among Americans when it comes to black folks, and you see something like that, and you see the guys yelling. And and think about the imagery that you're witnessing on that screen at that moment. Aaron Andrews, so so Richard, tell me about the game. And next thing you know, this black guy is just yelling. <laughs> so 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 white people, some black folks are at home and like, oh my God, what is happening? I thought he right. scared the shit out Fox of Aaron Andrews. And she she actually was going to ask him another question. But Fox cut away from it because, and and you could tell they threw it to her, and it was like they were telling her to throw it back to Joe and Troy because they thought he was about to cuss. Because we got to remember this is live, and I don't think that there there may be a seven second delay, but they thought it was like, oh lord, this dude is on here hollering, yep. he's about to cuss. Perceptions, <laughs> right? Here's this black guy point. yelling at the top of his young lungs, and we have this this white innocent lady, you know, standing beside him. Being very, co- who, who's talking about you? I, I want to know who. who? Right. So, but, but you the, know, huh? I was, about, I was about to get on that point, Ken. You know what? Shout out to Aaron Andrews too, because someone oh, definitely and was like, and was like, you know, well, I'm, I was so scared for you, Aaron. Like, and then Aaron reached your fly back. Like, for what? Like, this is football. He was in the competition. Like, shout out to Aaron Andrews for, for yeah. For she said she actually loved the interview. She said yeah, that she, she, she you know, exactly she said she wished. More athletes would have that raw. She said she could tell exactly. them just raw motion. She wanted. Yeah, she asked them the follow-up question because she wanted to get clarification and let people know that right. it wasn't somebody in the broadcast right. talking about him. That okay is okay. It's crap. Right. Okay, we're cool. Okay. Yeah. And she yeah. was going to ask out, another question out. had they not told yeah. her to you know throw it back to Troy and, and Joe. Yeah. Shout out to Ann Andrews for uh, for understanding the concept of sport. You know, unlike you know, unlike the rest of America. You know what I'm saying? Like she understood that and. You know, for, for people to come at her, oh, I was scared. Why was you scared for her? Like, eh, whatever. I, I don't want to say what I want to say, but yeah, you know. Because <laughs> the black man from Compton with dreads in his head yelling at the top of his lungs. Yeah, shout out to Ann Andrews, man. That's all I just wanted to say on that. I mean, I just wanted to point on that, on that, make that point right there, Ken, when you was on, when you was talking about it. Yeah, like, I mean, we, we, <laughs> yeah, we understand that. Thank God, Aaron Andrews, which, which, you know what? I didn't know any of that. Thank you, guys, because I had no clue. And that is something that's not being reported at all. And it's a part of the story that I feel needs to come out. What is Erin Andrews saying about this? Because if she she come out and say, I was cool with it. I loved it. It was great. I want more people to to do this. Embrace the moment. Maybe all of a sudden people can fall back and take a step back. She like, said she hopes she gets a chance to interview him like that again in the Super yep. Bowl. She, she said that's it. exactly she what she it. said. And 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 a backstory to the the Crabtree uh, uh, Sherman beef. 
um, they actually have an issue or have issues with each other coming into the game. Um, I posted this on uh, on DeadEndSports.com yesterday. Make sure you check out our website, DeadEndSports.com. Um, there was a ch- Larry Fitzgerald from the uh, Arizona Cardinals wide receiver had a charity event uh, this past summer. Uh, Crabtree was there, and so was Sherman. Sherman alleges that he went to shake um, Crabtree's hand. Crabtree had some words, and Crabtree actually wanted to fight him. Now, this was confirmed by Sherman's brother, um, and Sherman vowed at that particular point that he was going to, quote-unquote, embarrass uh, Crabtree on the field. And so that's where the the bad blood, if you will, started. Um, If you remember, when they played earlier this season, Crabtree didn't play. So uh, they didn't get a chance to go against each other. This was the first time they went actually went head-to-head. So um, that was just a little back page to the story that a lot of people didn't get. So, you know, so people didn't understand why he was yelling and and screaming and stuff at Aaron Andrews about Michael Crabtree. I mean, he – yeah, I guess in his mind he has legitimate beef against the guy. So, right, right. Um, and, and you know, we'll what see, we'll see how it goes because they, they're gonna have they're gonna see each other again on the field. Oh, oh, hey, I tweeted I tweeted yesterday. I was like, I, I guarantee you the NFL is probably gonna schedule Seattle and, and the Thirty Nine ers a Monday night game. I guarantee oh, no you they're gonna schedule no question. that shit. They gonna schedule that shit. They gonna it's either yeah. gonna be a Sunday night game or a Monday night game. I guarantee you they're gonna make a prime time game on. You know what, B? That might games. be. You know how like the Super Bowl champions usually open up the for that first Thursday night of that the, Thursday. I, I, I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if we get. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised we if that's the opening game. Yep. I wouldn't I would be, surprised be surprised at all. If, 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 if the NFL was smart, they would do that. I know if I was a part of the scheduling committee, I'd be like, oh shit, we got to schedule that. They got to be a prime time game. Like, oh hell yeah. Exactly. I would exactly. Do that. Right now we got a caller calling in from area code seven zero four. Let's not keep waiting. Calling you on the air. What's your name? Where you calling from? Um, calling from Charlotte, North Carolina. North Carolina. What's your name uh, my name is Tyler. My question is um, about about Sherman and his actions. Do you feel that he has, has any more ob- obligation at all? Uh, I'm a 20-year-old student at Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I see in the high schools near and in the college and in the college atmosphere that a lot of the players now have the same uncontrollable not not uncontrollable attitude as in they can't control anything that they do, but as if no one can tell them anything. And it also seems as if everything, like every touchdown, every, every basket, every single thing is a celebration. So where is humility within that? And does, does that matter to this case? That's a good question. No, I'm, good, I'm sorry. I, I didn't catch your name. What did you say your name was again, man? Tyler. Tyler, thanks. For, say, you, you got anything else for us tonight, man? No, nah, that's all, man. Okay, Tyler, thanks Appreciate for calling. We're going to ask you a question right now. All right. Pass the word on the show. Uh, anybody want to jump on that first? I, I definitely have some opinions oh, yeah. on that. Uh, what about you, FIFO? Uh, humility. Yes. Uh, you got guys celebrating and showboating and stuff. Is there humility in the game? You know, honestly, I, I, I don't. I don't look. I think that every player is unique. Some players feel that it's more professional to just give up the ball and just come back to the sideline and play for another down. Some players feel that they need to celebrate that action. Um, and, you know, honestly, uh, today I was listening to an interview with Richard Sherman about him trash-talking, and he was talking about Larry Fitzgerald. And he says it's hard to talk, trash-talk Larry because Larry is just a nice guy. He just comes out there, does his job, and it is what right. it is. 
I just think that it comes down to each individual person. I think that especially in the game of football where that one play could be your last, I say exactly. celebrate. I say celebrate every milestone, every opportunity, every play that you make, especially in the NFL, because you don't know when that's going to happen again because the next hit could be the wrong hit and it could have you paralyzed. It could have you, you know, look, a lot of bad things can happen in football. So, for, I'm just saying, do you, regardless of what it is, whether you're boisterous, whether you're, you're quiet, especially in football, just do you. Forget from you, uh, humility. Do you. Um, hmm. I, I, I think... Uh, the way FIFA opened it up, I think, is, is really kind of the answer to this question um, in, 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 in this way. Larry Fitzgerald is the opposite of T.O., the opposite of um, Chad Ochocinco right. and Randy Moss, um, just like Calvin Johnson is the opposite of, of all of those guys. So if you want humility in the game, Look at the players that are humble, mm-hmm. that are still successful, because those are the guys that go out, put up 300 yards against one team, and then walk off the court like like nothing even happened. <laughs> you know, right. like, you know, right. and are and, and they're the best player in the in the league right now. Le- LeBron in stretches, you know, as successful as he is, you know, he, he's humble at times, you know, and, and we want him to be, you know, show a little bit more moxie. You know what I'm saying? So. I right. think, as with anything in this world, you have balance. You have guys that are brash, egotistical, talk a lot, and and those are the ones that that get under your skin and kind of rub you the wrong way because of who they are. But look for the guys and and and, and look for the guys that are not that, that are the opposite of that, and it shows that there is humility in the game. It's just that those that are the loudest draw the, draw the most attention. So. You know, it's just like people said, you can still be you, be who you are, because on the opposite side of you, there is a Larry Fitzgerald. You know, Larry Bird, from, from what I've heard, he, he talks a lot of shit. He, oh, yeah. Apparently, he wasn't <laughs> humble at all. You know what I'm saying? So, and we all know Michael, Michael Jordan's story, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, you got you have guys that are, that are, um, that are humble, and you, got, you have guys that are not. So, and I think that's where the line is at. It's right in the middle. You just pick a side. That's a good point. What What about you, B? What's your take on it? Um, yeah, I think FIFA points for football. I think that's yeah. I mean, if you want to enjoy the moment, you know, enjoy the moment because you're not gonna get that many of them. Now with basketball, I kind of have a little issue with that. If, if you if you, I think it's kind of lame if you celebrate every time you knock down a three point shot or something like that. Or you know. Every time, you know, you got a good layup or, or, you know, maybe a dunk. It depends on what, you know, part of the game or if you just nasty dunk on the dude and posterize him. But for the most part, I think basketball, if you celebrate every time you make a basket, I think that can get a little point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like I said, unless, right, unless, right, it's right. Pivotal, unless it's a pivotal shot or, you know, a, a damn near game-winning shot that you hit or whatever. But, like, if you're just coming down and you're just hitting threes, you know, and you celebrating every damn time. I mean, you be like, okay, dude, that, that's that's kind of corny. But but like, I, I completely agree with people on the football point. Like, yeah, if you if, if that's what you love to do, is you like to celebrate when you make a great catch or or a great touchdown catch or something. You know, enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Bathe in it. 
because you probably won't have that chance again. So, I mean, and then Ken, I mean, I pretty much agree with Ken, with everybody pretty much. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. you, everybody has their own individuality. Barry Sanders used to be breaking fools off, and he just handed the football up to the, to yeah. the referee. Yeah. And he got his face out. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, like everybody has their... Yeah, I mean, it's like, the Barry Sanders tree, like, hey, this is my job to get touched down. So here you go, ref. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I go to the sideline and wait to get back on the field again. You know, everybody just have their different personalities, man. So that's, that's, that's my take on it. And B, you know I, I think um, I think everybody made some great points, man. I, I think um, it's, uh, Ken, the, the, the word Ken used, I think, was best, balance. You know, it's, and we've talked about it before, you know, on my show, even talking about hip-hop. Even though that's a whole other tangent, but you know you have people to say, well, you know, underground doesn't get any love on the radio, or doesn't get any mainstream play, or you know, all rap is bad. It's not bad. You know, you just you just got to have balance, and you got to be able to, you know, for every person, like like Ken said, for every T.O., you got a Calvin Johnson, you got a Larry Fitzgerald. I will go as far as to say that, um, you know, Larry Fitzgerald is the way that he is because because of Larry Fitzgerald Senior. Um, same for Calvin Johnson. Now I don't know Richard yep. Sherman. You know I don't know his. I know his father. St- his parents are still together. In fact, his father still drives truck for uh, drives a garbage truck for uh, the city of Los Angeles. Um, but you know humility. Every at, at, at any given point in time, like people said, your first play, your 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 next play could be your last play. So you have to play the game and live the game. Um, I just know for me. I was never that kind of player when it came to playing like that in football. I was just I was more the Barry Sanders, hey, I score, give give the ref the ball. Um and it, and it's only because I saw something when I was a child. I remember I was about 6 or 7 years old we were watching the Cowboys on TV and the great Drew Pearson scored a touchdown. When Drew Pearson, you know, back in the day when we were young, everything, you know, it was it was real it was always dope when you saw a guy spike the ball. This time, man, Drew Pearson, he jumped, man, as high as he could and he jumped up in the air and went to slam the ball and spike the ball in the air and when he came down he, he broke his leg. And right. that just taught me like, you know, he could have just as easily just walked into the end zone handed the ball to the ref and went to the sideline and celebrated with his teammates. But the fact that he wanted to jump three feet in the air and come down and spike the ball, he ended up breaking his leg or severely injuring his leg. He was out for the rest of the game. You know, he, he let his team down showboating. And that just that was just a lesson for me. But I, I don't begrudge because I like the T.O.s of the world. I think, they, I think they're needed in football. I think, you know, even a guy like Richard Sherman who talks, that's, that's, that's an added element that I think the game needs. Um, but humility, as far as like what the caller was talking about, um, Tyler was talking about, as far as generational, you know, that's something that we have to do as parents and and as a community for our kids. Period. Because it 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 goes beyond sports. Um, you you still have to be humble, and, and or if not, life will humble you. Uh, bottom line. But as far as sports are concerned, you know, they're, they're, as long as there's balance, I'm okay with it. As long as it, because there's. There's always an example that you can point to for, like I said, you can point to Richard Sherman, and and then also for those of you listening who, are, like myself, who are parents, you know, that's a teaching moment for your child. You know, if your child plays sports, you know, you could say, okay, well, hey, I wouldn't have had just like I did my kids. I said, hey, I wouldn't have handled it like that. I would have said blah 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 blah, and I would have kept going. But I'm speaking as a 41 year old and not necessarily as a 25 year old. Like I said, if I was 25, you gave me the mic. I might have been, I might have been Richard Sherman times two, <laughs> but uh, I mean it, it's all like Ken said, man. It's all about balance, and and 
as long as the game has characters like Richard Sherman, I think it's good for the game, you know, because there's balance, because you'll, you'll have pitch drills and you'll have Calvin Johnsons and guys like that who, you know, who, who do things differently. I'm not going to say the, the right way. They, everybody does things differently, does it their way. Um, you know, but outside of that, when you're talking about kids and, and the community, you know, that's far-reaching for us as a community and as parents that we have to do our jobs as well and not necessarily look toward athletes to do that. Um, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on, I forgot to hey, email hey, you guys this. Wait, go, ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kim. You, go ahead, go yeah. ahead, people. Yeah, there was one more thing I, I wanted to touch on, too, um, in, in this whole topic of conversation. Um, B brought out how it would be corny and lame in basketball to, you know, always talk uh, or, or always celebrate a play that you make. And the reason being is because football, again, is the ultimate team sport. And right. in, in such a big team environment, when you make a standout play, I think it's it's your right to celebrate that one standout play. Because in basketball, even though it's also a team sport and you really can't win it by yourself, one player can take over the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, as great as Peyton Manning is, if people don't catch the ball, Peyton Manning's not as great. You see That's what I'm true. saying? Um, and, and, but in basketball, that one guy can make that decision to score, to do this. And, and, and whether you can stop them or not, that person can make that decision. So if I come down and, and, and I feel like my team needs me to make some plays to win this game, I could come down and shoot the ball five straight times. Peyton Manning could throw the ball five straight times and it could get deflected. The wind can take it. You know, uh, Sherman could deflect it. So, you know, for me, I just feel like in all sports, you, if you're playing that sport, you kind of know the unwritten rules of that mm-hmm. sport, or else you really wouldn't be playing it, especially at a professional level. And, um, yeah, man, just do you. Game needs balance. And, you know, I don't think that you have to live by anybody's rules except for your own. Okay, okay. Definitely, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. Six four six four seven eight zero three five six. You're listening live to Dead End Sports. Dead End Sports, the place where sports opinions collide. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. I got my boys on the line with me, Ken, B, and FIFO. You know the fellas from Dead End Hip Hop. Uh, make sure that you tune into the show each and every Tuesday night. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, pass the word. Pass the word. Make sure that you hit up our website, uh, deadendsports.com. Uh, make sure if you missed any parts of the show, you can always check out the show. Check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash deadendsports. Also, we got a new feature. We're now being featured on Stitcher Radio. Um, if you don't have Stitcher, make sure that you download it. You can download it to your Android or iPhone for free and listen to our show at your leisure. Uh, just go to Stitcher. Um, then you go to your application store, applications menu, download the Stitcher application, search Dead End Sports, uh, download it and listen at your leisure. Again, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Um, Wanted to touch on something else since we were talking about uh, trash talking and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, Bill Belichick had some choice words for uh, about one of his former players. Um, you know, in so many words, he called Wes Welker's hit on uh, Aki, uh, on um, New England cornerback Akeem Talib uh, one of the dirtiest plays he's ever seen. 
what, what was your take on, on Belichick? And, and, and keep in mind now, Belichick made these comments 24 hours after the game ended. If, for those of you that saw the game um, or didn't see the game, Wes Walker runs what they call a pick play, and it really what he's supposed to do, he's coming across the middle, he's supposed to get in the way of Aqib Talib, who was covering uh, uh, Thomas, who was going in the opposite direction. Well, instead of getting in his way, Welker actually runs into him. They bang knees. Tlaib is out for the game. Uh, but Belichick, basically 24 hours later after the game, he says, you know, I saw the play. It was one of the you know dirtiest plays I've ever seen, one of the worst plays I've ever seen in my life. He said, you know, I'll just let the league handle it, you know, as far as any disciplinary actions or what have you. So he's basically telling the league, hey, I think not only was this, you know, terrible, but I think you should find Wes Welker. Now, keep in mind, Wes Welker is one of his former players. Uh, Kim, what what was your take on that? I mean, you know, Sherman caught a lot of flack for what he said, but, you know, we said what Sherman said was in the heat of the moment. Belichick, you know, basically threw up Welker under the bus, and this was a full 24 hours later. Well, I think the first thing that that if, if, if Belichick wants um, – something done, I think the league may need to get rid of the pick plays, uh, something that they happen to run themselves. So finally one goes against him and he has an issue with it. Let's just, right. let, look, the, here's the thing, Belichick is just salty he's at home right now. And, <laughs> and he thinks that that particular play has something to do with the outcome of the game. And, and to a certain degree, yeah, it probably has it. You know, it's the second, second quarter, but as I said earlier in the show, the Broncos looked like they kind of had that game in control. They were moving the ball up the field with him on the court, on the right. on the football field. So, um, you know, I, I I think that Belichick that having to live on the field would have resulted in a different outcome. And because he feels that way, when he looks at that play, it makes him sick. And this is, and now because of that, he's he's calling these conferences or he's doing these press conferences, in where he's trying to influence the league to basically right. uh, find him for that. And I would love to see the league stay out of it and let the play be the play and just let it be what it is. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't dirty. He didn't go for his knee, Skip Bayless. The man hit him in the right. shoulder. It just. Happened. It was a freak accident, kind of like when people just accidentally run, run into Brady, you know, when they're trying to tackle him, and he's lost. Mm -hmm. It just happens. So quit trying to to right. whine and cry and get your way in the league. It you, you you didn't get Brady the weapons he needs to to win. So you know, hey, it is what it is. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah, quick run. I mean, it was no attention to play. And why, why make it 24 hours after it happened? I mean, it took you that much longer to go back and look at the film. I mean, it was it was just a bump play. It was just, it was just a, you know, it was football. It wasn't. Right. It didn't look it didn't look essentially at all. It didn't look essentially at all to me when I saw the replay. I'm like, come on now, Bill Belichick, like for real. And then I mean, it just makes it makes the Patriots haters hate y'all even more because it's like, oh man, now you crying. They used to do the same damn thing and all that right. shit. So I, I've got to shout out my man Tiago in the chat room. He, he made a great point. He said uh, Julian Edelman, who plays for the Patriots, he did the same thing against uh, Dominique Rodgers Cromartie uh, yep. uh, yep. for, for Denver sure in the same game. Sure so you know, oh. 
it, it goes both ways. And, and like Ken said, that's a play that almost every team runs. And and the the idea is for the receiver to get in the way of the you know the cornerback, yeah. not to touch him. You know because I, if I'm not mistaken, they threw a flag on Welker for it. But you know they ended up losing you know a key to lead. But hell, I mean, with, if they'd had him out there, would it really have mattered? I mean, like mm-hmm. Ken said, it would get mopped up already. So. Um, but I, I definitely had to get you guys' take on that because I thought I thought it was very interesting his comment when he said, "I'll let the league handle whatever disciplinary actions that need to be handed down." Right. You can't make the league find somebody right. for that. Right. Like, but, you did the but, same but, thing, man. but all great head coaches have influence. Whether the league does something or they don't. Come on, Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson, you know what I'm saying? Even, you know, a lot of NFL. I don't have an example in the NFL, but outside of this, but come on, like, all he's doing is just putting it out there. I don't think that they were... I think it's kind of wrong to blame West and, and, and say that it was deliberate. But at the end of the day, I just... Bill Belichick is playing the coaching game. You know, there, there, there's there's levels to this shit. And there's levels to GMs playing their games and what they do and whatever they got to do to get the edge. Coaches do the same thing. Players do the same thing. Everybody does it. So I don't blame them. I don't agree with them. But I don't think there's nothing wrong with what Belichick said or, or what he did. That's just part of coaching. You're always going to stand up for your guys, whether you have to throw somebody else under the bus. Because they're not part of the organization. You, you don't pay them. You see the sexual? It don't matter. He supposed he did what he's supposed to do. Definitely, definitely. Phone number to call in, area code six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Um, wanna jump to the NBA real quick. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, just flashed on the Kevin screen Durant. here, man. Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant goes off tonight, man. Forty six points again. Um, against the Blazers, uh nonetheless. Uh he scored this is the fourth time he scored forty points this month. Uh, as the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder down, uh, take down the Blazers 105-97 to uh, at OKC. Um, but I want to talk real quick about uh, two guys that have been in the media here lately. Uh, one, Carmelo Anthony, and the other, uh, LeBron James. Let's talk with Carmelo first. Um, the Knicks are bad. <laughs> I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure that out. But they have been really bad, especially bad of late. I think they've lost their last four. Um, yesterday they got blown out on national TV again at home by the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Um, you know, one thing that Carmelo said after the game was that, you know, this team just wasn't playing hard. Uh, Mike Woodson's job, I guess, is still in jeopardy. Um, so it got me to thinking about, you know, Melo obviously stands to gain a lot more than he does to lose if he stays in New York financially, obviously. Um, but I, I want to throw this out to you guys, and I'll start with you first, people. Do you think Carmelo's going to remain a Nick after this season? And if so, where do you? if not, where do you think he's going to go? Hell motherfucking no, man. I did call this. <laughs> look, 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 when it comes to professional sports, Everything that happens in the organization starts from the very top person, and normally the very top person is the owner. James Dolan has not been a good owner. He has the New York the New York state of mind in which that 
we just gonna pay for our team. And unfortunately, it doesn't work like that in today's professional sport. It's part of paying the guys that you need to pay, but it's also putting yourself in a position to get the guys you need and also to draft the guys you need. And the Knicks have not done that for over a decade. And that is their problem. And they mortgage pretty much their whole future to just get Carmelo. And let's, come on, man, I could go on for days with New York. They, this is the most expensive front line in NBA history. And one third of that front line has been hurt for over two years. Not just because of his bad knees, but he thinks he's tough and he could punch a fire extinguisher for some odd reason. <laughs> so, 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 so to me, this problem has been there. They are not going to win. Carmelo, it would, it would show a lot about his character, positive and negative, if he does come back. Positive because it shows that he is loyal, and that's about it. Negative because he's obviously doing it for the money at that point. And I think that is also negative toward his legacy. Because let's be honest, New York does not have the pieces or the financial flexibility to get the pieces to beat Miami and Indiana because those are the thoroughbreds of the East right now. And if you cannot compete or play with them or have a roster that can at least challenge them, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. Now, this is where he needs to go if he wants to win. Forget trying to get Thibodeau to New York. Just go where Thibodeau is right now. That's what he needs to do if he wants to truly compete. Because let's be honest, with just D-Rose, the Bulls push Miami six games. With just D-Rose. Can you imagine this Bulls team now with just Carmelo and the surrounding pieces they have? Not saying that they would beat Indiana or Miami, but they okay. would be competing every night. Carmelo would not have to question the level of competition on his own team. He won't have to question any of that because all of those teams play hard. His B guys, second string players, could go out there in a playoff game series and win a series. Because of how great that damn coach is. Not because of the front office or this, that, and the third. Because we know, and, yo, Chicago has front office problems. But let's, let's talk about the players and the coaches. And Chicago, I think, is the best fit for Carmelo if he wants to truly add something to his legacy outside of money. Okay. Let me, and let okay. me ask you this, Fifo. Uh, um, do you think, do you think uh, Nick might trade him before the deadline? It would be I can't sick. see him trading. You know what? Look, look I'm going to tell you like this. New York is not the smartest organization. If they were, <laughs> they would. Just mainly because you cannot let a franchise player or a top five, top ten player in the NBA walk for nothing. Right. You right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I asked so, right. so, That's what I asked you just, just, just because it's New York and how dumb they've been, no, they're not trading Carmelo. Uh, <laughs> they should trade him though, because he ain't coming back. That's a smart thing to do. They they should try to trade him and get some form, you know, before the trade deadline. If if I was New York, like you're right, you made it. You made a great point. They, they, they that's New York. They won't. They gonna let. They gonna let the season ride out. They're not gonna. They probably not gonna make the playoffs. And then they, Carmelo gonna walk away. 
You, you, you know the crazy. only way, the only way I see New York staying, the only reason why New, uh, Carmelo should stay in New York is if they sign Phil Jackson. That's the only way. I don't, I don't think it's Phil Jackson. Way. And why? Because New York Knicks are not a smart organization. What's, what's your take on the kid? Do, do you think Melo is going to stay, or do you think he's going to leave? What, what do you, how do you think he's going to play out? Uh, mm, he, he's going to leave. Um, there's no reason to stay in New York. New York is terrible for a number of reasons. 129 and, and million. He, yeah, if he, huh? You said money. Yeah, he's going to make. He stands to make more in New York than he would any place else. But outside of the money, you know, I mean, is he, do you think he's going to? vote for, you know, just a chance to, because ultimately, you know, he, he's going to start, and well, I'm not going to start, he's, you know, people are looking at him already, he and Durant, because, you know, LeBron is one, now it's, it's their turn, and, and you know, from their draft class, you know, Wade has a ring, uh, I mean, Wade has rings, uh, Bosh has rings, LeBron has rings, uh, nothing for Melo. Yeah, I mean, do we, it's ring watch, it's ring watch time for uh, for Carmelo Anthony. And he went to New York to to do that. He wanted to play for a bigger city, and you know he, he wanted to to win a ring, and he wanted to be the guy. And now he is the guy, but he's seeing that you know um, it takes a little bit more than just him showing up every, every night. And and Woodson, I, I just don't think he's the right coach um, for for that team, man. Um, he he's going to got he's going to leave. But where will he go? I have no idea. And maybe Chicago. I know that's been thrown out there a while. And if they can make it work, then that may be a good fit for him. But I think he's disillusioned with everything that's going on in New York right now, especially if you throw in everything that's happening this year with that team that started to show signs last year after they got up to a hot start and then they just fell apart. Um, in the middle of the season. I mean, everything that they were was their last year for the most part. It's just amplified even more this year. And and they're in financial hell. Right. So, nah, you know, man. I, I want to ask, I want to throw this out, because all of us are, are, are big basketball. We, we, we love ba- the NBA. We love basketball. Um, and, and I have gotten into it with people on Twitter about it. And I, I will be the first to admit, I, I hate the Knicks. Um, but I, I love Carmelo. My, my favorite, you know, basketball college basketball team in Syracuse. So obviously, I have love for Carmelo. But every time I mention Carmelo Anthony's name on Twitter, you know, the first thing people say, "Well, you can't. Carmelo can't win. He can't carry a team. He he's not. You know, like he is just almost like some has been or something. You know, can you win a title with Carmelo Anthony? What, what, yes. what do you think? Can you can you win a title with Carmelo? Uh, with the right pieces around him. I mean, he just hasn't had no right pieces around him. I think with the right point guard and maybe, like, with the right either power forward or center, I, I think Carmelo I think Carmelo can win the title. I mean, he's, he's a superstar. I mean, he's a, he is a superstar. I mean, whether you hate him or not, he's a superstar mm-hmm. in the league. But I just think with the right pieces, he can win a title. I think, I mean, and just think, look at the pieces he had at Denver. He, he was, he was what? Two games away from being in the, in the NBA Finals or whatever. So, right. 
you know, I think with the right season, man, I think Carmelo, you can, you can, you can depend on Carmelo to get you to the shit. Now, I mean, my only, yeah. my knock on Carmelo has always been is this dude just don't play no freaking defense at all. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you need to surround him with guys that's, you know, that's kind of a little bit more defensive minded as well to kind of pick up the slack and let him handle the offensive end, but. Yeah, and that's my if my only critique of him is dude if he can just act like he wants to play some defense, man, like this dude do not play none. So mm-hmm. I mean but I think you can win shit with him, man. Shoot, just get him the right pieces, man. That's all I can say. He, 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 he what about you, FIFO? Can can you win with Carmelo? Hell yeah, you can win with Carmelo. Yeah. I can, man, <laughs> I get so much slack from people he's on a, Twitter about Carmelo. This, this is the thing. This is the thing about basketball, and I don't understand. Look, Popovich says it all the time. Basketball is very simple. People make it hard. People all the time we get on the court, they just make the game so hard. The game is so damn simple. Now, the thing is, is that the reason why Carmelo is a superstar and why you can win with Carmelo, because at the end of the day, you got to put in buckets, and that's what he does, and he's a superstar at doing it. So, therefore, you have to surround him with complementary pieces. He is not LeBron James. He is right. not Kevin Durant. You see what I'm saying? He's not. You have to understand what kind of player he is. He is a score-first player. That's mm-hmm. pretty much it. And that's fine. So, that means that you need to get a point guard that can tell Carmelo, no, not this possession. You, I'm not coming to you right now, bro. You know what I'm saying? You you need a strong point guard, whether he can score or not, but he just needs to have that that much testicular fortitude that right. no Carmelo, you're not getting to rock this place. That's number one. Number two, you need to get defensive guys and you need specialists. But that's not any different from any other championship puzzle. When you look at Indiana, what do they have? They have a superstar. What else do they have? They have an all-star shooting guard that can make plays and create for other people. Then they have a combo guard at the point guard. They have a defensive-minded center that can score when you need them to. And then they have a power forward that spaces it out a little bit more. Right. That, that, is it that much different from what Miami does? Miami has an all-star or superstar small forward with a, with a shooting guard that can make plays and score himself. They have a four-man that can space out the floor. They have a five-man that plays defense. And they have a point guard that's a shooter. It's not, it's not hard. You just have to fit the right pieces. Yeah. Carmelo can win, man. Carmelo can win. You just got to get the right coach. You got to get the right GM. You have to have the right organization. Chicago, yeah. holla at Carmelo. Okay, okay. What about you, Ken? Can, can you win with Carmelo? Well, I, I think BZ and, and FIFO pretty much nailed it, man. I just want to add that, you know, like you, I, I was a fan of Carmelo coming out of Syracuse, too. I, I, I was happy to finally, you know, see him win that champion, you know, see him win the national title um, that year, man. And and um, and I enjoyed watching him play. I, I like Carmelo. I don't like some of the decisions he's made uh, over the few uh, over the last few years. Um, but nevertheless, I still uh, like him as a player. Here's the thing, and people have people in this world love to turn on people um, for whatever reason, and 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 it, it, we've seen this happen over and over again. And I know this is not really on topic, but 
FIFO and B just nailed it so much. So I got to go back to the reasons why we were even talking about this in the very beginning. You say something about Melo, and then all of a sudden now Melo is not a winner. Melo <laughs> yeah, oh, is a national championship I in, get that in too. college. I, that's one and done, player. Like, you have to win every game. That's not easy. You know, and he's and he a dynamic for too. He carried yeah, he it. Do we'll get it twisted. Like I said, I'm a Syracuse fan. He carried that squad his freshman year. He was 18 years old. Right. And so so the guy can play, but the guy wants to win. And just like LeBron, he chose to try to go somewhere to win. But because he's in the spotlight and he's a superstar and people expect certain things, now that LeBron got his – there, well, who else we can hate, hate next? And Melo is the guy. Why? Because he chose to go to New York and put himself in that spotlight. And yeah, now you're not winning in New York. And yeah, that's the, the biggest city. difference. When he was the winning in Denver, it was great. Now, he couldn't win the championship in Denver, so everybody, oh, you got to leave Denver, you got to leave Denver. You know, and then people kind of started to watch him a little bit, like, you know, can you can you get to the game or whatever? But... You're not winning. So when you're not winning, people will judge you based on that. But they're not like FIFA, and they're not like B, and they're not like Kyle, and they're not like myself who can look at him and be like, no, nah, you, you can win with this guy. This guy got everything right. he needs. That team around him you can't win with. Okay, Just like LeBron it. couldn't win with that team in, okay. in Cleveland. And like right. FIFA said, Melo is not LeBron. He cannot take that team to a, 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 a NBA championship. And we saw what happened to them because they were not good enough to do it all. And LeBron right. can do it by himself. So it's just like people turning on um, uh, uh, Melo, just like people turned on Kevin Durant, you know, after he lost the championship. You know, yeah, okay. he did, that's what people too. do in this world, man. You can and win with that guy. Something. Of course you can win with that guy. That's, that's crazy. You said something very profound at the beginning of your statement, which I 100% agree. I think it is... Carmelo Anthony's decisions and the one decision that really has people teeter-tottering on, on him in New York and everything is the fact that he pretty much forced the trade. When you look at the way LeBron did it, LeBron did it the smart way. Carmelo did it the bullheaded way. Oh, I'm going to go where I want to go. Look at yeah, him, right. You go wherever the hell you want to go because you are Carmelo Anthony and any team will dump any amount of salary, will do whatever it takes. If that's where you want to go, they're going to make it happen. They're, they ain't. You're Carmelo Anthony. And I think that Carmelo Anthony messed up by forcing a trade and not going into free agency and picking the team that he wanted to go to. You see what I'm saying? So I know he said he wanted to go to New York. I think that's in part because of Lala. But, you know, I, and, here, and here's the thing with Carmelo, too, now, with his impending free agency. There's a checklist that if you want Carmelo Anthony's services, that you must, that you must meet. Number one, you have to be a big market. He's not going to go play for a small market team, or he would have stayed in Denver. He, 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 he forces his way to New York because he wants to play in a big market. Number two, you've got to show him the money. If you don't show him the money, he's not going to go. It's kind of, you know what? I see Carmelo almost in, in a Kobe way when he's kind of over the hill or he's in the <clears throat> twilight of his career. They're going to give him some big, dumb contract. He's going to be like, yep, put my name on it. And that's fine. Because if the organization was going to pay you that, then, you know, that's on them. That's not really on you as right. a player. You just put your name on the damn dotted line. Give me my money. I'll kill you. 
But, you know, Car- you're going to have to pay Carmelo, and Carmelo's going to have to be in a big market. And number three, he's going to have to go to a situation where, because I really think that Carmelo Anthony's championship window is the next three years. And the reason yeah. why I say that is you have so many great players coming into the league. Like, I, I, have y'all really been checking out Anthony Davis? Oh, that boy balling. Yeah, yeah. If he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy, they they they've got a nice little squad down there in in New Orleans. And he will. Last year, look, a lot of these eighteen-year-old kids, they especially big men, they they they're not ready physically for what the NBA. Right. You have grown men. Right. Anthony Davis physically wasn't ready. Skill set wise, he wasn't ready. ready. But physically, but physically, he physically he wasn't ready. (laughs) Body wise. Mm -hmm. He, he didn't have exactly. a gay body coming out of Kentucky. He did not. And, and did you see what a year did for him? Do you see what he looks like now? Yeah, right, yeah. Right. And, and then he also had the experience of playing with the Olympic team. You know that that helps. You know as far as your confidence and everything, you're seeing the, the best of the best go at it each day in practice. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I really think Carmelo Anthony's window is starting to close, just like Chicago's window with their current roster. So I, I just think that it's a match made in heaven. You know, Carmelo doesn't play defense, so go to a defensive coach that he can motivate and inspire everybody else to play defense. And if you can hide Carlos Boozer in, in a top five defense, oh, you can hide Carmelo. You can hide yeah. Because, look, Carmelo is not that great of a defender, I think solely because he just doesn't put the same amount of effort on that side mm-hmm. of the ball. But come on, he is way better than, than damn Carlos Boozer. Because I think I really think he tried. <laughs> I really think he tried. <laughs> so, so if Thibodeau can hide that, look, and I know I'm really pushing. It's not just because I'm from Chicago. I just think that that is the best fit for him. If he if he truly wants to compete for a championship, Chicago is the spot, man. I don't see no other team, you know, in the East that that has a three year championship window. Yeah, I, and, I, I, and, I, and it's I, all about you. Right, I think you're right because you know you you get it. He's he's Carmelo's probably in his late twenties now, so he you know getting into your prime, you know. And and you, you what you don't want to happen is you look up and you're like, damn, you know, like I, I should have stayed here, I should have gone there, you know. You gotta and, and as much as the Heat were criticized for coming together and squatting up and putting together a squad. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take, you know, it's going to take two or three superstars. Well, I don't know if you can get salary cap-wise, I don't know if you can get three superstars on the, on a team the way that the Heat have constructed themselves, you know, without guys taking less money. But you're definitely going to need help. And right now, Amari Stoudemire is not enough help for Carmelo. Uh, right now, let's jump to the phone lines. we got a caller calling from area code 804. 804, caller, you in the air. What's your name? Where you calling from? Yo, this Q from VA. I got to agree with my man FIFO, man. Um, Q, what's going on, Q? What's going on, man? Uh, I think, honestly, I don't know if I'm an organization and I will pay Carmelo that huge money because for two things. One, you said he don't play defense. And two, why am I going to pay somebody when they're going to have a lot of off nights? Like, mm-hmm. like with LeBron, he's going to give you 25 at least. Almost ninety five percent every of the night. Every night. With Carmelo, you might get a three point game with like seven turnovers. So I don't know. If I'm a team looking at him like, yo, I have to get him on my squad. You know. So when you're an organization and you got chances to sign people coming out like Kevin Love, who displayed 
that they can do multiple things. I don't know if I'm going to be a GM saying we have to get Carmelo Anthony when he's going to be on the second side of his career where he's going to start falling off. And if this is where he is in his prime, I don't want to see him where he's at where Kobe's right now because Kobe's still, mm-hmm. even where he could play a little bit, I don't know if Carmelo's going to be giving you 20-point games like Kobe does a few in his age. You know what I'm saying? You, you know oh, what? Look, look, this this, this this is the thing. This is another reason why I said Carmelo, I believe, has a three-year championship window. The maximum deal that he can sign with another team outside of New York is four years, right? He is 28, 29-ish, so that'll put him around 32, 33 when the contract is over. That's when you really start coming out of your prime. So for me, I think it's a good investment right now. And you're 100% right. He is not... LeBron, like like I just said, he's not LeBron. He's not an efficient scorer. He's a volume scorer. He's going to have off nights. But on a team like Chicago where you have a secondary or a primary superstar in Derrick Rose, because I'm going to tell you this too, he's going to be 100% fine. Like everybody tripping, D. Rose is going to be fine. He's too, he's too young not to be. But anyway, right. when you have a D. Rose and you have a Carmelo, Carmelo's off nights, D. Rose can take over. Just like when you see with Kevin Durant, because Kevin Durant, outside of this year with Westbrook being out and Durant really taking on that scoring load, Kevin Durant has six for 20 nights, and then Westbrook balls out. See, the, right. the thing is, it's valid. Just because Carmelo may not have it tonight, that's what you see with New York. Nobody else is an 18 to 20-point scorer on New York's roster. Consistently. Right. Nobody. So when Carmelo's off, you're going to lose. Same thing with AI. If AI didn't give you 25, 30 points, you had no chance. Who are you going to rely on? Aaron McKee? Eric Snow? Matt Geiger? Come on. on. And and unfortunately for a lot of these volume scorers, it's typically just them. no, No other viable help. So for me... I think in Chicago, you already have a secondary star there. There's a, already an established superstar on the team. And you have a secondary all-star type player with Joe Kim Noah that you know is going to anchor the beat. I think in Chicago, those nights, and, and, and let's be honest, with Carmelo, they come few and far in between. Just like KD. You know, like these guys, they lead the, the, the league in scoring for a reason. The, both of those guys are the most, well, I think Kevin Durant has separated himself. But they're the best scorers in the NBA. So you mean to tell me that you give me a top 10 point guard when healthy, the a top two scoring that shit, and you give me the best defensive coach <laughs> in the NBA? Yo, yo. Hey, you, hey. The only thing. We win a chip, we going to be close. You know, I agree with you to a certain extent, but then again, you have to factor in, is D. Rose going to be healthy? I think, look, this is the reason why I think he is. Number one, the ACL is going to be two years removed from ACL surgery come up next season, right? So the ACL is fine. He's not going to tweak that. You, look, I'm going to knock on wood because that's my dude. Look, the ACL should be fine. The meniscus, that's nothing. We've seen Russell come back from that. Right. Have we not? And there's nothing. Yo, Russell did not lose a step. He did not lose a step. I don't think that the meniscus is going to be a problem for Rose. If anything, it was going to be the ACL to hold him back, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if everybody seen what I saw in ten games, but I don't think that the ACL was an issue. You know, I don't think it's an issue for D Rose for his ACL in particular, but just from a standpoint, is it, can you rely on D Rose 
every year from now on because everyone thought this was going to be the return year. Hashtag is going to be the, the return, you know? Everyone was typing that up. Right. But then, like, maybe, I don't know how many games it was, and only a few games in, he's gone again. Everyone's like, all right, the return 2014. You know what I'm saying? And are we even going to have him this year? Are we going to get him back next year? So if I'm Carmelo, I'm looking at that like, yeah, this is a good defensive team, but I'm not KD. I don't have Russell Westbrook to come in and give 35 points on like a fire night because right now he has people like J.R. Smith, who is the most on and off player in the league, in my opinion, who have shoot great one night. Oh, my gosh. I have goner. And I agree. You cannot... You cannot rely on anyone on that team. Who Raymond Felton? He was a scrub for so many years in Charlotte. Like no one even knew who who this guy was. And he comes in and gives you a few good games in the playoffs against the Celtics, and he's gonna be your guy. And honestly, I think uh, Woodson, as the coach, was an interim coach that went too far into his tenure. They took him too far. He should just been the coach for that year, and he should have been gone. They should have been trying to find somebody. Honestly, I would have got the guy from Brooklyn that uh, Brooklyn fired, um, Bradley. I don't know if that's the name, but I would have got him because he was coached the month, and they fired him that same month because they lost on Christmas. That doesn't make any sense. So I think Carmelo's been put in a bad situation all around, and they need to correct what he has right now because I think New York can win if they just shell out some money and let go of these scrubs because you but saw what thing, Brooklyn did. Open yeah, but it matters who you gonna get though, Q. That's I, I guess exactly. that's the question I have. You know, who who are you gonna? You know, when you when you look at and and shout out to uh, my man James on Twitter, he pointed this out earlier uh, that you know Amari is is the third highest uh, paid player in the league, and I mean you're talking about a guy that probably plays what 15 minutes a night. You know, so it, you know I I feel where you're coming from, but. It's, it's a, probably a whole lot easier said than done to say, okay, well, hey, they should get this guy, get that guy, because money is tight already. Um, but, yeah, I, but I, I understand Kyle? where you're coming from, though. I got three words. Go ahead. Pray for Jabari. <laughs> That's my three words. Pray for Jabari. <laughs> that. Hey, you, know what, you got anything else for us tonight, Q? Nah, man, I just want to give a shout-out to everybody who do the show. The show was really fun. Y'all do a good job. And uh, shout-out to Better Hip Hop, everybody who's associated with it. Y'all do a great job with that. So, yeah, that's me. Definitely, Appreciate man. Definitely. Matter of fact, check check us out, man. Dead End Hip Hop, is, we're going to be talking about it in a couple of weeks. Uh, Dead End Hip Hop is going to be on my on my show, uh, 12 Radio Show, in two weeks. So uh, make sure that you check that as well. We'll be uh, sending out more information about that as well. So make sure you catch us on there as well. Dope. All right, man. Thanks for calling in, Q. Definitely appreciate right, it. Right, yeah, Phone man. number Q called, area code 646-478-0356. Man, this show was flying by. We got about 10 minutes left in the show. Um, I forgot what I was, where I was going. Um, let's see. Uh, now we don't have to talk a lot. Uh, one thing I want to I want to touch on, um, we can jump back to the NFL real quick. Uh, Roger Goodell uh, kind of raised a few eyebrows the other day when he said that the NFL may may consider the use of medical marijuana in states where it's legal. Um, so, if obviously, I don't know if you guys caught this, but the two states where mar- medical marijuana is is legal are the states of Washington and the states of Colorado. Ironically, the two teams where the Super Bowls uh, contestants are from. Um, so, if under this 
under this new rule or, or proposal, uh, medical weed would be able to be used by these two teams. Um, obviously for pain, not for just recreational use. Um, Ken, would you be in favor of that? What would be your take on that as far as uh, the use of medical marijuana? Man, you already know that there <laughs> will be a lot of medical issues on uh, those teams. <laughs> nah, man, I like to see. I like to see the NFL, I like to see the NFL games, man, play played in full speed, bro. I don't. I don't want to see anybody out there high, you know, trying to figure out what to do when they get the ball or where to throw it to or or win the tackle. Nah. I, I think the game is fine the way it is. Let, you know, we, you know what? And, and and President Obama came out recently and he said marijuana was, that. was was okay too. So I don't know what's going on, man. They just need to go to just let it go, man, and just let marijuana be what it is, man. But um, I, I, I think um, I, I think I'll rather see. I'd rather see the whole United States adopted or as many states as possible adopt the policy before we allow it in sports. I think sports right now has way too many issues to deal with, um, and the last thing they need to do is to bring, you know, something like drugs into play where people still have negative, you know, um, viewpoints on it regardless of whether I think it's negative or not. But Goodell must be up there smoking some stuff. (laughs) That's what I think it is. Man, you sound old, man. You sound old. Man. You know you sound old is because how many players right now do you think smoke? I guarantee it's over 65, 70%. Of NFL, all NFL players? There's uh, a lot of NFL, NFL players. NBA? Uh, man, come on, man. Like, There's like, even more NBA smoke. players that smoke. Yeah, J.R. Smith looks like he owned one. Man, all the damn Constantly. time. Andrew Bynum. And, and, here, and here's the thing, too, Ken. I 100% agree with you that these motherfuckers cannot be high during game time. <laughs> Hell no. Because, because no, no, now you're giving me a diminished product. Now you're giving me a diminished product. That's a problem. But on they off time, in practice, I don't give a damn. As long as you are straight for this game and you are not. But you know what? Look, let's be honest. This is football. If a motherfucker can play on coke, a motherfucker can play on weed. I, I don't know, man. You know what, I haven't man? done coke, so I can't even speak <laughs> coke. But look, <laughs> but, but I, I, I see where you're coming from, FIFA. I, I think you're absolutely right. But I think if you look at players in the league that has had a history of uh, uh, marijuana abuse, like Michael Beasley, I think you may get you may have players like that that just can't get off of it. So I think it's just too risky. I think more more experimental tests need to be be done first. Here, uh, come, hey, Ken, come on, man. Hey, look, man. Look, we people been on weed for forever. I don't think that we need any more testing. I just think that it comes down to individual self control because alcohol, which will impair you even worse and leave you with longer lasting medical effects. You know what I'm saying? Pe- people deal with that, but it's a personal thing that you have to get over, just like marijuana. If people get addicted to it, then yo, then you need rehab. You need to figure your life out so that you are no longer dependent on this substance. Just like any other substance that's legal now, just like cigarettes and marijuana, unlike all of those other drugs, legal or illegal, does not have long-lasting 
medical damage to you. You know what I'm saying? So outside of a, 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 a of a few lost brain cells, but you know, liquor does that to you too. And so does concussion. So, and um, yep. you know, I, and alcohol is a good example. I mean, so I mean. I'm not going to fight it. I just, I don't know if we're ready for that yet. I just don't know if we're ready for that yet. I, I, I just think that we've been ready. It's just that nobody's really known how many people really use it and how often they use it. I just think that people are going to be surprised as to how many people and who actually, who actually does use it. I know one thing. If if, if Richard Sherman was on weed, he, he wouldn't have yelled the way he did at Aaron Andrews. Oh man, you know, he, he he was still on one man. He was just on one man. He was he was, he was on cold. That adrenaline, that adrenaline just had him going, dude. That's all that was. That adrenaline had him going. Man, I you know what, man? I I don't know, man. I've never I've never tried weed before, but I I'll be the first to admit, like forty percent of my teammates smoke weed, <laughs> and I was the designated driver in college. Um. And, you know, they seemed to play fine with it, but they were smoking it rec- recreationally. It, they weren't using it for medical purposes. And, and we all know that there's a lot of pain that comes with playing the game of football. So anything that you can – I would not be surprised to see this happen. And the reason being is because, um, you know, there, there's some changes that are going to be coming down the pipe real soon with the NFL in the, in the coming years. Um Roger Goodell's going to get that 18-game schedule. You know, they, they've been fighting and fighting and fighting. And he's going to get that 18-game schedule. There's going to be more games, those international games, those games. That, there may even be a team in London at some point in time in the next five to ten years. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, you're going to – and the rosters are going to expand too because you're going to need more players. Um, I don't I – don't, I guess what I'm saying is don't think that it's an open and shut case because – if Goodell Goodell has a method to his madness, if he's proposing it now, it'll be something that'll be on the table come the next CBA agreement. I, I promise you, because that's the, that's hey, been his history thus far. Wasn't he? Um, wasn't, didn't he, yeah, I'm hearing something about him wanting to take out uh, extra points after touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that, we posted uh, that on the uh, okay. on the Dead End Sports site today as well. Okay. Um, there's a possibility of removing uh, the extra point after uh, touchdowns. Uh, because I think they said there was like over a couple of thousand kicks this year, and there was only like six missed extra points. So they're proposing that uh, come next year, they may not even be an extra point after you know someone scored a touchdown. I'm now I'm not sure if they're going to give them six points or have them you know go for the uh, or just go you know for you, two. Go for two. Yeah, go for two. Yeah, that's kind of I like. I, I actually kind of like that. I think that'll be put a little bit more excitement, you know, some excitement into it. You know, after you score, oh shit, can they get the convert? Can they get the two points? I think that's kind of cool. I mean, me personally, I mean, that's that's, that's, that's like it's kind of boring seeing them take a damn extra point every damn time. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, extra point is a foregone conclusion because it's not. I mean, like I said, you don't see them missed a lot. They rarely are they blocking them. And I mean, if you watch an extra right. point, it's rare to get. You see guys even going hard. They're just, you know, they're just right. out there. They're right. Just they're lining just, up. Yeah they, they, yeah, they just line up, stand there, don't even try to block it or nothing like that. But I'm with it. I'm cool with the with the two points. I mean, it, it put a little bit of spice into the game. It's like, oh, you got to go for this two point conversion. Like, you, you score, you down by one point, then guess what? You got to get the two point conversion, too. I, I think it's cool. I, I like it. Definitely, definitely. The phone number to call in, area code 646 478. 0356 again 646 478 0356 man where did this show this show <laughs> hey, hey, this show is over 
Yo. Hey, real quick before what we up? done, what did you think about that San Francisco game? Your boy Kaepernick. Yeah, P four. So yeah, since you picked since you picked San Francisco to win. Yeah, look man, I like what Kaepernick did with his legs. You know what I'm saying? With the arm, it, it, it wasn't all the way there. Uh, I'm not making no excuses for him. You know, three turnovers, you're not going to win against Seattle like that. You might, you lucky if you win with just one turnover against him. That's true. Um, Ken, you were right. You know what I'm saying? He didn't play his best. Um, he, he didn't throw the rock like, you know, Peyton Manning efficiency, which I said he wasn't. But he did hurt them. And I think that if he didn't have those turnovers, they probably would have won the game. I agree. Definitely, definitely, definitely. We're getting notification. We got about sixty seconds left in the show, man. Gotta thank everybody that listened and tuned in. Uh gotta shout out uh Steve for calling in, Tyler for calling in as well as Q. And big shout out to my man James. James is tweeting us, man, live from Australia right now, listening to Dead End Sports, man. I there's not, you can't beat that, man. When you're listening from Australia, you listen to us talk sports, man. We definitely appreciate the love, James. Uh, shout out to him. Shout, shout out to everybody that tweeted us and hit us up. Uh, make sure that you check out our website, deadendsports.com. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter, at Dead End Sports. Follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, make sure that you hit us up. Remember, this show is being broadcast live each and every Tuesday night. So in the event you cannot listen to the show live, man, check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash deadendsports. Also check us out now on Twitter as well. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. So for Ken, for B, FIFO, I'm your man, 12 Kyle. We'll holler at you guys next week. Peace. Peace.